Hi, this is Scotty Iseri. I had a bowl of cereal for breakfast, and then I decided to go for a run. And when I went for a run, I got a Philly cheesesteak sandwich for lunch. You were the master of sound check. <laughs> <laughs> what, what kind of cereal did you have this morning? I'm curious now. <laughs> Hi, I'm Tim. This is We're Only Human, a podcast celebrating the resiliency of the human spirit. We're having conversations with people like you and me about their strengths, their weaknesses, their ups, their downs, and everything in between. We're not perfect. We're not alone. We're only human. Today I'm joined by Scotty Iseri. He is a son, brother, father, the Senior Product Manager at Committee for Children, which is a nonprofit that fosters social emotional learning for children. And uh, as part of Committee for Children, you have created and you are now hosting a podcast called The Imagine Neighborhood, which is uh, for children and continues that mission of uh, fostering social emotional learning for children, which um, I was, you know, I emailed you recently and um, said my kids i have a nine-year-old and a five-year-old we had just started listening to it in the car the other day and it was um it, it's a great a great podcast um so thank you for creating this oh thanks so much for i'm so glad to hear it uh when, I, I love hearing stories of people using the podcast with their kids um because it does kind of span age ranges so you'll get like a, a family that has a four-year-old and a seven-year-old or like you've got a five-year-old and a nine-year-old and like hearing um that's actually getting like listened to. Did you did you talk with your kids about the um, I don't know whatever episode you listened to? Did you talk about the the feelings in it? Yeah, a little bit. I was more so my my son knows that I do a podcast, but he hasn't listened to it. Um, but he he knows I do it, and so he's been kind of getting interested in this this medium. And so when I saw you were doing this, I was like, oh, perfect way to introduce them to podcasts. Like it'll be a safe you know, topics and stuff. So I was more um, just playing it to kind of get their reaction to like a podcast and see if they really jived with it. Um, and kind of this idea of audio storytelling. So um, I did kind of, you know, try and, and, and talk with them a little bit, but I was really just kind of while we were driving, trying to gauge their reaction to this, which was very, very positive. Oh, that's great. That's awesome. Uh, one of our episodes has a one of the interactives is is uh, family. The the characters in it are chanting, "The clouds are made of cake," and I've had a handful of parents send me emails saying, "Like my kids won't stop saying the clouds are made of cake." That we listened to that episode, and my daughter, <laughs> my five year old, my daughter, she loved it. I mean, they both loved it, but she was cracking up. She's in the car. We're all yelling it together. Um, that was so much fun. So yeah, that I makes can relate. Me so happy. <laughs> That makes me so happy to hear. <laughs> um, you know, I used to work in in theater before I worked in radio, and like we trying to like find those um, moments of interactivity, the stuff that you can do when it's live versus when it's you know recorded and sent out to somebody. So it's it's an interesting challenge. I never thought about it that way. When I when I emailed you the other day, I I you know I was trying to um, I remember this was like a decade ago, but somehow we crossed paths here in Chicago where I am. I think it was around the Chicago like New Media Summit was called, uh, or the Chicago Convergence. There was something going on at the time. We were all trying to kind of um, highlight the new media work going on in Chicago, the web series and the pod. Well, we didn't call them podcasts, but all of that. Um, and somehow I came across your web video series at the time called "Scotty Got an Office Job," which. I'm just going to say to the listeners right now, if you have never heard of this, you need to go Google Scotty on an office job. It stands the test of time. This is one of the funniest pieces of content ever created. <laughs> um, or just to, not to plug your old show too much, but it was basically <laughs> you were a freelancer, you got an office job, and you decided to create these one-minute videos on the job. Your coworkers have no idea that you're doing this and just kind of highlighting some of the, the fun and mundane aspects of having a, an office job among cubicle land. And so, so that's where I first, you know, um, uh, heard of you. And I, I kind of want to start there because I'm really 
to me, it, it speaks so much to the talent you are as a performer and also as a creator. And I'm really curious, where did you get the idea to do that? <laughs> <laughs> um, it's it's kind of what it says on the tin. Uh, I, yeah, I've been a freelancer for most of my career. And then suddenly when I have a, a regular nine to five, um, you know, if anyone's freelanced, they know that like, it's not a regular eight hour gig, you know, you're half, you're either, you know, doing the work or you're on the hustle to get more work. So you, you end up, you know, with very long days. And so when suddenly like five o'clock would roll around, like, oh, I don't have to do anything else. Like there's a, a bit of, um, you know, dealing with boredom that, that crept in with that. Like, how do I, how do I keep myself busy? Uh, and it was also like office culture was really foreign to me. <clears throat> Excuse me. Office culture was really foreign to me because of, you know, working freelance and working in, in theater and radio, it's a very different environment than, than cubicles. Um, so I just thought there was a lot of fun to be had in discovering the, the, the copy machine doesn't take quarters or, uh, there was a, a whole run where I had a, a, a nemesis that was the Coke machine. And, um, at one point the Coke machine became anthropomorphized and had a face on it. And, um, we had a karate fight and all this kind of stuff. So I, you know, I, I think that like my my goal with it was really just to make something that that made me laugh and made my friends laugh and and the fact that like other people found it and enjoyed it was a real treat and it led me on this whole other path of of a career where I was like you know working more in new media and working more with um uh brands that just wanted to bring um some some whimsy into their world and I guess that's that's if I have anything to sort of hang my hat on it's I can certainly drop a <laughs> drop a load of whimsy on you so um well like, like i said it, it really does i mean 10 years later 11 years later i think it was 20 2009 you created this it's still to me it's timeless i mean the content you created is just as funny i was just watching it today um to refresh my memory on this and i was you know spoiler alert at the the end of season two your your boss finds out um, and I'm watching that episode and, you know, you have a portion of the episode where, you know, you, you have the conversation where he finds out and kind of brings you into his office and he gets pissed. He is like, I mean, he's like, you don't, you don't show this on camera. I mean, I don't, obviously I don't think he knew that you were recording, but I mean, he was angry and I'm like, oh, this man's terrible guy. Like, you know, I was like, oh, this is terrible. And, but at the same time, you know, I, I was watching, you had another episode where you're <laughs> synchronized cubicle dancing and just, I mean, what I love is um, a couple things, but I'm, I'm really curious, you, you know, you put yourself, I mean, obviously it was very risky and a very genius, uh, um, creative uh, thing to do, but in doing this, you really put yourself out there in terms of like being a performer. And I mean, before that, had you considered yourself like someone who's on camera performing you know like that's a that's a totally different psyche than someone who prefers to be backstage and kind of producing behind the scenes sure and i think i i do prefer that backstage uh world a little bit oddly enough i feel like most of the the work that i've done where it's been my stupid face on the front of it has sort of been a default like i don't have somebody i in the you know <laughs> office job videos, I can't like bring in a friend to be the face of the thing. So, um, and even with this new podcast, you know, it was kind of just a default. It's like, well, I'm here. Uh, I have a microphone. I can, I can, I can try hosting this thing and see what happens. But um, I guess like I'm not um, bothered by being on camera, but it's not something that like charges my battery. You know what I mean? Like, I, it's not something that I'm seeking necessarily or, or was seeking. It's always just been like, well. Uh, uh, I, all I've got is a hammer, the hammer being my face, and um, yeah, is the is the the most expedient solution to have have me on there. It is kind of funny to like that it's been so long with Scotty got an office job. Uh, so I'm I'm a single dad, and um and which has its own challenges, but one of them is you know dating in the online era, and you're I'm very easily Googleable, and so I've gone out on <laughs> yes, some dates where yes, people have are. been like, so I watched your videos, and so <laughs> um. Yes. It, it gives them, it, it clues them in a little early that I'm a ridiculous person. And I'd, I'd rather they find that out for themselves that I'm a ridiculous person. 
I, I want to get back to one thing you said there, but uh, while you're on the topic, I never thought about that. Like, so I'm, um, I'm recently divorced. And so in the dating world as well, and like doing this podcast, I've only been doing this podcast now for what, six months, maybe. And it never occurred to me that you could Google me and, and land upon this podcast and start listening to it. And, you know, recently I'm talking to someone on a dating app and, you know, they're telling me about that they listen to the podcast and I'm like, you what? <laughs> you, oh, oh God, wait. Oh no. And then I was like, well, I mean, it's better to know who I am, but I never even thought of that. So, so you have this, <laughs> this 10 year old amazing web series that people are probably bringing up all the time. It's sort of like, I mean, I would equate it a little bit to like, like they see you in your underwear before you're ready. You know what I mean? Like oh, exactly. Whole, yeah, I've got stories about that that I can tell you over a, over a drink or over dinner or something. But they find it out automatically. So, um, <laughs> it's a net it's, way. It is I what suppose. it is, right? Yeah. yeah. You said you mentioned that um, being a performer and being on stage isn't necessarily what recharges you. What what does kind of recharge your batteries? Um, you know, it's I'm an extrovert, so uh, I. I like talking to people. I like socializing. I like being with friends. That's something that really kind of, kind of recharges me. Um, I think thanks to the internet, I'm, I'm much more aware that that's not true for everybody. So uh, I, I have found like in the last, I don't know, five, 10 years to like look for other internal things that can recharge me. So whether that's letting myself get bored or play the piano or finding more books to read or things like that, like, um, yeah, if I'm if I'm being really honest, the things that do recharge me is like time with friends and um that it that I it's not a hundred percent healthy to have that completely dependent on other people. So <laughs> uh the search for things that recharge me are are is is a is a process. Um I do really love being a dad. That's been a lot of fun. And um, you know, my my kid is is six and um the taking just the the time to to go play right so in the mornings and saturday mornings we go to the park right by my place and we like he's got a plastic sword and shield and i've got a, a he's super into harry potter so we just go to the the park and we clear the park out of pixies or whatever and like um yeah it 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 it, it brings me back to that just like well just sort of pure imagination state right like i'm not creating something because it's got to be a thing. I'm not creating something that's going to have to be a video or a podcast or anything like that. We're just going out and playing. So um, I find that to be really energizing as well, to just go out and kind of um, kick around in the mud, fight pirates, build robots, that kind of stuff. Yeah, it's very grounding, isn't it? I find I find my children so grounding and uh, kind of perspective shaping. Like, you know, no matter what happens you know, I look at the world through their lens and kind of me through their lens. And it's very, very humbling, you know, so much of, uh, so much of what we do and so much of what we think is so important and, and scary is, is not necessarily when you look at it through a, a kid's eyes. Sure. Yeah. And there's also, I mean, it sounds like your kids are around this age range too. Like I, I'm well aware that at some point, like my, I'm not going to be the number one person my kid wants to hang out with, right? Oh, like he's going to yeah. have friends or, you know, puberty is going to wreak its havoc and, and I'm going to be the least cool person in the world to him. But for now, um, there's something very special about the idea that the, the most important thing that I can do as a parent is just be present and be there for him. Um, and that includes like physically present and emotionally present and not, you know, being on my phone or not, you know, the, the, the email that I have to send can wait till after he goes to bed. Right. Like there's, <laughs> um, there's, there's a, a what do I want to say? Um, the, the important there thing is just, is, is the presence and the time, right. It's the one thing that like I can give to him for sure that, um, that he wants right now. And that'll lead to that'll lead to the fire, you know, to the pirates and the robots and all that kind of stuff. But <laughs> yeah, it is just about time. Yeah, I love that being present. I, I've, for me, in, in these nine years, the the biggest lesson I've taken away is just that. And, and alongside that is slow down. You know, like it's really shown me. I think we go so fast, and we feel. I know I do personally. I feel like I have to be moving fast. Um, I, I feel like. I, have you seen Hamilton? 
the musical? I have not. I have a a controversial opinion about Hamilton, but go ahead. <laughs> oh, well, anyway, there's a song uh, where they're talking about, you know, why do you write like you're running out of time? And sometimes I feel like that's the mentality I have. Like, we only have so much time here. We got to get going. Um, and I feel like the kids kind of remind us that it's more important. Well, it's as important to be present and just slow down once in a while. Sure. Sure. Well, I was listening to one of your episodes about fear and uh, you guys were talking about the fear of the unknown and uh, you know, that's, that's a, a pre- an especially sort of prescient fear right now, um, March, 2020, but um, you know, being afraid of the unknown, technically everything's unknown, right? <laughs> like there's a certain amount of regularity that you can provide for your kids and that you can provide for yourself. Like, a schedule and a routine. And, you know, this week you're with mom and this week you're with me, or uh, on Fridays we uh, go out for burgers or something like that. But in, in reality, like there's, there's the sort of the, the monstrous things that may happen. Like, I don't know, Godzilla destroys the city. And then there's the less monstrous things like you twist your ankle and then you can't go to, I don't know, you can't play baseball that afternoon. Like the unknown is all around us. And what's the known is the present. And that's, that's a, a a very sort of Zen koan kind of way to put it, but um, that uh, I'm rambling a bit, sorry. <laughs> but, um, but I, I was inspired as I was listening to that episode about like, yeah, there, there is a lot of unknown out there and the best you can do is, is to be present and be in that moment because the next second you may win the lottery or you may, um, I don't know, fall into a wormhole and end up in prehistoric times. Who knows? Absolutely. Yeah, it, it really is. To your point, there's probably more unknown than there is known. So yeah, being Which aware can also be that. exciting. Like yeah. it's also very interesting about the world that, that you may turn the corner and find your new best friend, or you may find your favorite song that just happens to be on the radio at some point. If people still listen to the radio, I don't know. We're podcasting here. So <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I do kind of joke that this is basically doing radio like I, I i love doing this podcast now and in my mind i'm like well you just love doing radio i never thought mm. in 2020 <laughs> that i would be saying i enjoy producing radio <laughs> it's true <laughs> so you're doing the imagine imagine neighborhood which is a great i especially recommend if anyone has children to listen to this with their kids but um i i noticed this isn't the first time that you've created content for kids i mean probably eight years ago or so, you had a video web series called The Digits that was for kids that um, helped them learn math. And you, I believe it was an app as well as a video series, but I was watching some of these videos and you have very elaborate characters and you had a green screen and it seemed like a pretty high production value thing. Um, I'm curious, what kind of was what was the inspiration here for kind of i mean what's now at least two different projects where you're trying to basically help kids grow it comes from two places one is um you know the digits was before i had i had my son um but i'm uncle scotty to like 15 to 20 different kids and I'm only really related to maybe two thirds of them. <laughs> um, I just have a lot of kids in my life and um, wanted to make something, especially with the starting with the digits that was like positive and helpful for them. Um, Scotty got an office job was fairly PG. It wasn't really aimed at kids, but I ended up hearing from like people that had kids or like, Oh yeah, me and my kids watch together. Um, <laughs> I'm like, what do your kids get out of this? Do they, are they, <laughs> It's quality uh, entertainment. <laughs> aren't there child labor laws? Are your kids bring? It's a bringer. Is it every every day is bring your kid to work day? Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, so I wanted to build something that that filled a hole, and and one of the holes that I saw, especially with stuff for kids that was meant to be educational, is it tends to be uh, very safe, and that's not a problem necessarily, but it it is. Um, to my mind, there's a lot of fun to be had in kind of um, pushing the boundaries within kids' ed- entertainment. Um, and I'm not saying like sex, drugs, and rock and roll necessarily, but like I, I think I, when I think of myself as a kid, like there was a certain amount of anarchy about being that kid uh, that I really enjoyed. Um, that there's a chaos to being a kid, and there are 
stories that can that can kind of surf that wave with them that that understand the sort of the craziness of being a kid um where the world isn't really built for you and um you are navigating with adults who hopefully care about you very much and are trying to do the best they can but um you know, it's not like kids come with an instruction manual either. So the both the digits and the imagined neighborhood are attempts to kind of like reflect some of what I remember being a lot of fun anarchy uh, as a child. Um, yeah. And some of it is is inspired by a lot of the kids media that I that I loved growing up, like so Square One Television, which was you know kind of snarky and punk and tongue in cheek, and and Nickelodeon, which. Um, yeah, you know, was was gross and weird, and people picked their noses and things like that. And I think you can have those kinds of elements in it—the stuff that is naughty or gross or weird—and um, still provide something that helps kids grow intellectually or emotionally. I love that, and I love that you're doing, especially with the Imagine Neighborhood, this this focus on emotional intelligence and emotional learning. I I did not realize. So when I looked at your the podcast website. I think it's imagineneighborhood.org. And that's it. <laughs> it halfway <laughs> down, it, it said that this was based on um what was it called? The uh a second step. It was based on the second step curriculum, which my son actually had at his old school um the past couple years um here in Chicago. And I remember at the time, I was not familiar with it. And he was coming home and telling us about these things he learned about, you know, like how to take deep breaths. And it's, I'm smiling because he would start teaching that to his sister, um, who has a much stronger personality than he does. She loves to push his buttons. And he would be explaining to her when she gets worked up about how to like take deep breaths and how to calm down and things like that and how to like relax. And so when I saw that you, with the podcast, we're basing it. I didn't realize this program was actually created by the same company or the same um, committee. Um, I was I was so happy to see that because when I saw how that had affected him learning that in school and how he was applying that to real life, I thought, oh my gosh, this podcast could help do that now for people that don't have that in their schools. And um, well, A, that's just a long way of saying thank you. <laughs> but, <laughs> but B, I'm curious... Um, I, I myself, you know, we were talking earlier about how uh, you were late to the game to understand where granola came from, um, <laughs> which is which is funny. But I'm totally late to the game to kind of understand emotional intelligence. I like I never had a, ste- a second step program. Um, my question to you is, what kind of made you want to bring this to the forefront? Like, what made you want to bring this out in a podcast and kind of extend this? this whole idea of social and emotional intelligence out, out to kids. Yeah. Um, so I, I work for committee for children, which is, um, as you say, it's a, it's a 40 year old nonprofit that's been focused on kids, emotional, social and emotional well-being. Um, and they produce second step, which is an amazing curriculum. It's in so many schools. And what the research shows is that, you know, kids that have these strong social and emotional skills really do um, better in the academic work that they're trying to do. And if you think about it, it makes a lot of sense. Um, you know, if you're not able to manage the angry feelings that you feel or the excited feelings that you feel, you might not be able to sit down and sort of understand multiplication and division. So the the, the research shows this really strong connection between that kind of emotional strength and being able to succeed in school and life. Um, I think you also see it in the workplace, right? Where the, you know, I'm sure you've had, you know, managers that didn't probably have the best social emotional skills and the ones that didn't have really good social emotional skills are ones that you remember because they, they knew how to work with you. They knew how to um, sort of meet you where you are and, and, and be a person with you. Um, So you know, no one really, you don't hand a toddler uh, Harry Potter and say, here, learn to read, right? Like you read with them and you sound out fra- you sound out the, the, the phonics and you don't give a kid uh, algebra and say, here, figure out algebra. You like, they learn through steps. They learn through addition, multiplication and subtraction and division. And then eventually they work their way up to algebra. Um, and I think the same is true with all these social and emotional skills that, that 
everyone could really use. Um, that that while they're so important, they're often not thought to be taught, right? There's the, um, so the second step curriculum really is a way to kind of put a frame around those teachings. And my goal with the Imagination podcast, imagine, sorry, bleh, my goal with the Imagine Imagine Neighborhood podcast was really to give parents the same kind of toolkits that the teachers were getting. That um, parents may have parents may or may not have any kind of social emotional learning in their in their background so i guess i want to make it okay for them to have these conversations with their kid to feel okay saying hey how does how does it feel when you're sad oh i'm sad sometimes too or i feel scared or i feel angry and model those behaviors for their kids so their kids grow up feeling comfortable to talk about their feelings in a way that's helpful and productive for them instead of you know bottling them up inside and um i don't know hitting things or. <laughs> oh, absolutely. And that was the part to me that I love the most is that you are making it okay for that. Like I said, I'm someone who did not come, like my family did not have any of that background. Like they're like, you know, the opposite of emotional and we did not talk about things. And so like, you know, I want to be the opposite for my children. I want them to understand it's okay to feel, it's okay to be angry. It's okay, you know, to, to just be human but that there are ways to cope and to to understand how to deal with that. So, you know, when we're in the car the other day listening to this, I mean, I, I feel like I'm pretty much okay talking about this with them. But when you put on an episode of the Imagine Neighborhood and, you know, it's kind of that's that's what we're now all tuned into. So there's no, I felt like there was less pressure on me to have to like bring this up. It's just a natural thing now. And now if we can listen to this more and more, you know, hopefully they can become more comfortable and all three of us can become more comfortable talking about this. So I, I love that because you've really helped. You're definitely helping the children, but I think what's almost as important is you're helping the parents. Yeah, thanks. That's kind of the goal. And and I will say as like an added layer to this, I think there is something about me being a, a cis man talking about my feelings in a very kind of earnest way as well. Like I think there's a lot of dudes out there that were not uh, socialized or, or rewarded for talking about their feelings. And so um, part of, you know, we have a character named Macho Supreme who is, um, you know, he's, he's toxic masculinity wrapped in a, in a bow, um, <laughs> but he talks a lot about like, is it macho to, is it macho to ask for a hug? And it's like, yeah, it is macho to ask for a hug or is it macho to, to say that I'm sad? And yeah, it is very macho to say you're sad. And so like, I'm not saying that the podcast is strictly for um, dads or men or uncles or whatever like that, but I, I do feel like there is something important about um, having a, a, a guy's voice on on that's that's telling these stories and that's that's saying that like yeah, it's totally okay to, to feel sad and let's talk about how sadness feels. We have like men, I think, in a lot of places aren't rewarded for that and aren't encouraged to do that. You know, it's the opposite of the you know man up or boys will be boys kind of thing. Like let's, 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 let's talk about these, um, the causes of these feelings and, and how they can, how they can be supported and how they can be managed effectively. I think you're spot on. I, I do think there is something too that men and, you know, males are traditionally not, they're not seen to be emotional. They're almost expected to not be emotional. And if you are emotional, um, you know, that it's kind of like, wait a second, like you're not, you're, are you a man? You know, so I, I do think to your point, there is something special about you, you know, you being a, a guy and, and being the one of the host, the voice of this, because, um, you know, kids, especially because kids notice these things. Mm. I mean, mm -hmm. like they're so perceptive. So, I mean, yeah, I, I think it's, it definitely matters. Yeah. They, they may have noticed that like the, a, a male figure in their family really only, only, talks to them directly with, about sports or something, you know what I mean? And like, um, I, for, sometimes people need a way in, right, to start any kind of conversation. And for some people, it's sports, or it can be a movie or comic books or, or whatever it can be. And so if the Imagine Neighborhood can be something that is that in for people to, to, to start having those conversations around, then, then I'm all for it. Um, these, are, these are hard things, right? It's, it's hard as an adult to say, I need a hug, or <laughs> I'm feeling lonely, or... And, um, the more that you can say that that's okay, the more that you can say that it's totally fine to 
have the feelings to feel your feelings and to find positive ways to express those feelings and to manage those feelings, then, then the better. So, um, I can't tell you how much it, it, uh, it just makes my heart happy that, that you're, that you had that experience with your kids and were able to kind of talk with them through it. Like, um, permission, I guess, you know, it's a permission to feel a permission to, to talk about it. Yeah, absolutely. It's, and it's something Molly, my daughter, she, I keep trying to explain to her that like, it's, it's a thing that's currently happening and it comes out every week. Cause as soon as we listen to an episode, she's like, play the next one. I'm oh, like, yeah. well, we've, we've reached what's out. We have to wait till next week. And then I was going to say, have you had the experience with your kids where, so like I, I'm 40, I grew up in the eighties and nineties and I, Like the idea of scheduling media or media not being available to me is something very ingrained that like, oh, I can't watch Pee Wee's Playhouse because it's not Saturday, right? Um, Unless like somehow I recorded one on the VHS or something. Um, And now like there's no, like my kid doesn't have a sense of that, doesn't have a sense of like something not being available yet, unless it's like that movie's not out yet Um, or that that album is not out yet or something like that. and furthermore, commercials, right? Like I had so I, how many jingles could you sing off the top of your head? Like, oh, absolutely. I, could, I probably have a dozen just like advertising jingles stuck in my head that's, you know, taking up valuable real estate that could be used for, I don't know, memories of my child's birth or something. But um, and my kid sees so few commercials in his, his day. I think that's a positive thing overall that like, you know, that, that, that he's not exposed to that as much, but it's also sort of like, my, I have to think about like, how does he get exposed to the things that he might want to expose himself to? Like, how does he discover new books? How does he discover new music or, or things that he wants to try? Like it kind of puts it on parents to, to present those to kids in a way. Yeah. You know what, I, what I've noticed with the advertisements is because same thing over here, like we haven't had cable since my son was six months old. So he's grown up with, with Hulu and Netflix and all that. Um, but one thing I've noticed is on the iPad or on the Kindle Fire on their tablets, um, a lot of the games that they get are free and they are full of ads for other games. Um, and they're interactive ads where you're like playing other games. So I, I've sat down with them at times. Yeah. And they, they've been playing these games and something will come up. I'm like, what is this? They're like, oh, dad, these are just the ads. And they're playing the ads or they're watching them and they know when to click the X when it's available. And I, I'm sitting there like, Oh my God, I want to buy all the games from now on. You are getting inundated with advertisements here. So so maybe maybe it's switched over to a different medium for for their generation. Maybe. I I do recall having a good talk with my son about um because he wanted some app that he saw in another app. And he said, But it's free. And I said, Well, it's not really free. They show you a bunch of advertisements in it. And he, this this is kind of, I think, before he had a sense of what an advertisement was, but he was just like, advertisements. I'm like, yeah, they try to get you to buy stuff after you download it. he's like, oh no. So like, <laughs> I, I don't know if that's still working because now he's, he's still seeing games, but like, um, you know, we do Duolingo. We're trying to, I'm trying to learn Spanish. And so he and I are doing that together. And um, he, he keeps nudging me to do the Duolingo plus. He's like, it gets rid of all the advertisements. And like, advertisements has become <laughs> this like four letter word now in the family. Yeah. <laughs> but what you said about scheduling though is, is so true. I mean, you know, the podcast is something that obviously they're introduced this idea of it's going to come out, um, you know, in a, a regular interval. Uh, I would say Disney Plus has also brought that about because Disney Plus now has a lot of uh, shows that are The Mandalorian, for example, we were big into, but that came out every week. And I think they're going to have more stuff come out every week. Uh, but also, even if you watch, um, like our, my kids are big fans of Lego Masters. It's on... Um, is it on Fox? I don't even know what channel it's on. I don't even know what day, but it's on network what's a, television. What's a channel? <laughs> yeah, what's a channel, right? It's on <laughs> network television, and so you can still watch on Hulu, but it does still come out every week. So they, um, you know, I think they do watch it live with their mom, you know, on, on when I think it's Wednesday nights, actually. And so, um, you know, there is that that idea brought into their mind there of like, okay, well, Lego Masters is every week, and we have to wait now next week. But, um, you know, it, it really is, it's such a different world because it's just, I mean, any content you want, uh, it's just on Netflix or Hulu or Disney Plus and it's it's ready to go at any moment of the day. Yeah. It also, you know, there's there's a dark side to this. Um, there always is. Right, there's a, 
Well, I have a lot of fond memories of like digging through record bins, right? Through through my adolescence, I was that kid, you know? Um, and I found a lot of albums that I love now more than anything, just sort of through happenstance, right? There's, it's, there weren't like big releases or they were sort of one hit wonders that like I was able to like, I, I don't know, I just like the cover art or something. And I have this, I have this really strong memory of being in high school and like spending $50 on a bootleg VHS tape of an Eddie Izzard stand up concert because it wasn't released in the US. And I had to get this random pal dub that I had to take to the photo store and spend another 20 bucks to get it converted to NTSC. And like the the value that I placed on that sort of media experience, the, the first time watching that was compounded by how hard it was for me to find, right? Um, and now I, I like what that very that very stand up special is available like on YouTube for free, and I can click on it anytime I want. And it's so like the scarcity of it hasn't. Um, I don't know. I've lost some of that specialness of the scarcity. Um, and I also wonder the stuff that's not making it onto the the Netflixes and the Hulus and the Amazon Primes and the you know or the or the Spotify's right. What are those old records that aren't being brought into the new streaming era that that might get passed by or that might get lost somehow? I don't know. I, I miss my hidden treasures, I guess, what I'm saying. You, you know what I've thought about lately is that, because I, I think about this with my kids all the time, is I love to reference just random movies or TV shows. And then I know that we can just grab YouTube and pull up any clip from any TV show, any movie. And I've come to learn that YouTube is that place now where just any, it's like the old bins at any store, the record store, the library. like everything is in YouTube and you can just quickly pull it up and, and, and reference it within seconds. So I wonder if that's kind of like where those hidden treasures are still lurking. Oh, maybe, maybe. Even like uh, I'm a big fan of live music. So sometimes I'll be in the mood to listen to a song, but I'll just go on YouTube and find some live concert version of it. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, it might be the same thing. There's something kind of interesting about like the, the looking glass of mirror of YouTube where you can like, Oh, here's a, like, I don't know. Here's MTV's coverage of Woodstock 96 or whatever. And it's such a weird time capsule where I have the memory of seeing that live for the first time. And, you know, oh, look at all the fun I'm missing out on by not, I don't know, getting mud thrown at me by green day or something, but <laughs> um, yeah. Older and wiser. Now I can revisit and be like, ah, oh, yeah, that's, that's what we dressed like. That's what we looked like back then. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. Hindsight is twenty twenty. What what was your your childhood like? Was it um, was it uh, what you grew up in um, on the West Coast, right, Oregon? Yeah, I grew up in a really small town on the Oregon Idaho border. Um, have you seen the movie Napoleon Dynamite? Not in a while. Oh, that's sort of my point of reference for people. That's kind of how I grew up. Where like it was a town, there was stuff there, but like people did have alpacas in their yard, or there was like a rural area surrounding it. So. Um, it led to, there wasn't a lot of outside stimuli. Like, you know, we couldn't go to the concerts that, you know, the, the concerts didn't come to, it's called Ontario, Oregon. Concerts didn't come to Ontario. We had to drive for that. So you had to like come up with your own entertainment a lot. Um, and um, yeah, I mean, my, I have a very, I have a very large family. Um, my, my nuclear family is, is, you know, my parents and three kids, but then there's aunts and uncles and cousins that I'm incredibly close to who I love very much. And we all kind of grew up together. Um, so it meant that I couldn't get away with anything because it's a small town, big family. It's likely like uncle Carrie is going to see me when I'm trying to, I don't know, <laughs> skateboard off a ramp. Or um, I remember one time I was making a video for a class. It was one of those giant like VHS camcorders. They just slid the whole VHS tape in and I was running I down the that. street, like yelling something and, and video camera and something. And while I was out, someone called my mom. I was like, Scotty has a video camera and he's running down the street screaming. Oh, no. something. <laughs> and I mean, it's a credit to my parents and my, that like my mom was like, yeah, that's, is he hurting anybody? Like, um, my, my parents took my my strangeness as an adolescent in, in, in great stride. I owe them a lot. So that, That's great. I mean, it sounds like they, I get the sense that growing up in a small town, like kind of, like you said, not a lot of outside entertainment, not outdoors, but like outside the area that you probably, I mean, I feel like you're a very creative person, um, which I imagine is so amazing for your kid. 
Um, but I wonder how much of that was fostered from kind of that environment. And then it sounds like your parents kind of, you know, if not encouraged it, they let you run with it. I think it's both. And at the same time, it also meant I had to create a lot of my own opportunities for stuff. So like we didn't have a, you know, a video production class in middle school. So it was just me grabbing my dad's camera and running around. We didn't have, you know, D&D club at school or something. So you have to make it. And the theater department was really small and I want to do this play. So let's just do it. And you have to kind of, um, you know, take what you had and make and, and make something out of it. If, you know, if pressed, I would say that's sort of been a, a good North star for me as, as a, if both in my life and career, like you have what you have and you can sort of, you can certainly wait around until you get a better camera or a better microphone, or you have, I don't know, the set you want built, but in reality, like you've got what you've got and you make something and the next one will be better and, um, better to have better had to have made something that's not perfect than to have waited till you had everything in place. Cause that stuff might not ever come. Um, you got to find your own entertainment when you can. I love that. I'm such a believer in that too. And I mean, your, your body of work over the years is so evident. It, that is so evident in that. I mean, Scott again, office shop is a perfect example. It's a flip camera from 2009. It's your webcam from 2009. And, um, it's more about, you know, the value that you created than any of the technology you threw into it. Um, yeah, certainly not that. HD. So <laughs> <laughs> if anyone does go back and look at those, they're like, oh, Jesus, this is what internet video looked like. <laughs> Which, you know, you wonder, like, is that what we're going to be doing 10 years from now, looking back at this and being like, this is what we were doing? This isn't even a hologram. What's going on? <laughs> <laughs> I do think there's something really interesting, like, as media has, got, there's been a lot of experiments with interactive media. And, and frankly, like the Digits app was one of those experiments of like, interactive storytelling in a prescribed sort of media environment. And like Netflix has really taken that up with the the Black Mirror episode and Minecraft story mode. Um, and so like, I, I don't know, like I'm really drawn to places where people can interact with the stories that they're involved in. Um, and I feel like there's this weird, like right now it's a lot, it's very video gamey, right? Like, what are you going to do next? Do you want to go left or right? Do you, uh, do you know, do you drink the poison or, or throw it down the, down the drain or something? Um, and I don't know, but th there's also this other side of it where like, I don't know, shows will have characters tweeting out about stuff or there'll be a second narrative going on online outside of the, the sort of filmed narrative. And I think that's really interesting that like people have this desire to, interact and play in the story worlds that they're, that they're enjoying that, um, that no one's, and I don't know if you can codify that, right? I think if you tried to have, I don't know, a Star Wars website where you can create your own Star Wars character and tell your own Star Wars stories, like that may not be as successful as the stuff that gets grown organically by people as the stories that they're telling around that universe or, um, the stories that they want to, that they want to build, right? Like any attempt to kind of cage that or make a product out of it or put a, put a, a form around that might might just wreck it i don't know yeah that's a good point i'm reminded of the i remember i enjoyed them and now my son does but the choose your own adventure books from back in the day oh yeah which is kind of what you said the simple idea of like okay do i turn left or right do i drink it or do i not drink it um and actually there was that show on netflix we were my kids and i were watching it last summer what was it called man in the wild or something but it was interactive where you would choose, like, should I go in the cave or should I go around the mountain? And, you know, one decision was good and one decision was not so good. Um, but, yeah, I wonder, like, what will that look like in 10 years? Maybe it will all be holograms, just like it was in Star Wars. I think, you know, with the Imagine Neighborhood, one of the, um, to bring it back to the podcast, like, we're starting to ask people... There's, there's 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 something really special about an audio experience because every person that listens to it, every kid that hears Macho Supreme or Dakapak, like they they have their own vision of what that character looks like in their head. Um, and I've been really resistant to like we've been talking about. Well, maybe we should like have some illustrations of the characters on the website so people you know have a sense of what they look like. And I really want to see like what the listeners think those characters look like. Um, so if, if, you know, kids are really drawn to Count Vacula, like they can draw their own version of Count Vacula and that's their Count Vacula, right? It, it doesn't have to be anybody else's. And I'm worried that the minute that, that I, or we as a, as a, as a team come out and say, this is what 
Count Vacula looks like, that it's going to wreck something kind of lovely that's that's happening in, in the kids' minds right now. Oh, that's such a great point. I would totally agree with you there. I think that, yeah, I wouldn't want to ruin that either. Because I'm just thinking when I was listening to the Count Vacula episode, I, especially the Macho Supreme episode where you get stuck in the doorway to your house, I'm I'm I had the whole thing in my head like envisioned, and I'm sure it was totally different than my my kids were envisioning. So I I totally agree with you there. I think it would be it would kind of ruin it in a sense to to you know I, I would then be looking at your it's the same thing. I don't know if you're like this, but when you listen to podcasts or radio programs, uh, DJs, you know, morning shows, and so you ever listen to uh, Fresh Air by Terry Gross from NPR? Yes. Although I think she looks exactly like she sounds. I think she, like, okay. it's not, if, if I were to picture her, I wouldn't have pictured that. But then once I saw a picture of her, I'm like, that makes sense. <laughs> oh, okay. See, I was the opposite. I was like, I never had seen a picture of her. And then one day, the Apple podcast app on my phone started showing the, the faces of the hosts of these podcasts. Mm-hmm. And one day I opened it up and I saw Terry Gross and I was like, whoa, what the... I mean, the first thing I was like, was like, well, that's not what I thought she looked like. So you've ruined this. But the second thing was more, you've ruined this for me. Like in my head, <laughs> I had this vision of what Terry Gross, you know, my version of her looked like. And now you've ruined sure. it. So yeah, I don't want you to do that to the children, Scotty. Please don't. <laughs> well, like I started my career at, at Chicago Public Radio and... um I had seen a picture of Ira Glass. So I kind of knew what he looked like, but he was way taller than I expected him to be. And I, like, I met him at the urinal, frankly. And like, <laughs> what, nice what better place? <laughs> Indeed, um, it's where everyone likes to have an in-depth conversation. Um, <laughs> but I was just like, "Hey, how's it going?" And I was just like, "He's so tall. He's way taller than I thought." That's not what. what like, it, it did wreck. It wrecked a little bit for me. Like, not entirely, but it's just like, "Oh, that's what. That's 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 different than what I'd imagined." So. It's one of the beauties of, and I'm curious, you know, maybe I'm, I'm because I'm so, as as said, easily Googleable. but like kids may have some vision of me, right? Like what does this Scotty person look like? And um, who knows? We have a, a character, uh, upcoming episode where uh, one of the characters makes a cardboard Scotty and does his own version of what I sound like, which is <laughs> fun to record. I'm like, oh, that's, that is what I sound like, isn't it? Huh. <laughs> but... <laughs> You yeah. do have a great uh, audio voice, a great radio voice. Thanks. I have a face for it, too. <laughs> As they say. <laughs> I say that about myself, too, so I, I totally understand. So well, yeah. how did you end up in Chicago? Because when, when we met about 10 years ago, it was in Chicago. Did you come straight from Oregon to Chicago, or did you bounce around elsewhere before you ended up here? I worked... Um, I worked for a year after college in Alabama at the Alabama Shakespeare Festival. Um, and then when my contract was up there, I had a friend that was moving to Chicago and you know I was 22 and uh, invincible. So I said, well, let's go do that. So uh, I, I knew I wanted to do stuff in audio. I wanted to work in theater and in radio. That was kind of where my, my background was, was like sound engineering and sound design. Um, so Chicago is a big town for radio. It's a big town for theater. And I just moved up there kind of sight unseen. Um, got some internships, got some, you know, small gigs running boards for, for theaters there and um, really fell in love with the city. Like it was, I, I, I was there for about 10 years and, and then moved back West to be closer to family. And I do miss Chicago a lot. I, I think about it like, oh, I have a lot of friends there. And um, there's something about Chicago as a city that is, really lovely. It's it's still a very working class city. It's still very affordable, but it's also very cosmopolitan. There's amazing art and architecture and world-class stuff happening there. And I was there for a conference in, I want to say October, September or October of this year, um, of last year rather, 2019. And um, just like ran along the lakeshore and then uh, yeah, I had a couple hours to myself and I just rode rode the train around and sort of saw my old neighborhood haunts and saw how how Wrigleyville now looks like a shopping mall and like <laughs> felt felt the heartbeat of the city through the the rails of the train. It's a it's a really great city. It really is. And yeah, for yeah, Wrigleyville unfortunately has changed quite a bit. I can't imagine ten years from now what it'll look like, but hopefully it'll still be Chicago character. So you know, we talked about how you're uh, 
very Googleable, um, and uh, there's plenty of you know, Scotty, Scotty, I Siri, plenty of um, content out there about you. <laughs> plenty. Yeah, I don't mean it in a bad way, um, <laughs> not at all. But I'm curious, um, from your perspective, like what 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 are you looking to kind of make your legacy? Um, this is something I think about with the fact that everything we do. I mean, this, for example, this podcast episode we're recording right now is going to be out there like forever. Like no matter what, it's going to somehow be out there forever. So I just think like, you know, we're creating these these digital time capsules, whether we like it or not. So I'm, I'm just kind of curious, you know, what do you intentionally hope that your legacy is? Um, I think I've been moving toward this desire to to make the things that I work on we all, we all have a limited amount of time, right? And uh, everyone has different metrics of success. For some, it's it's money. For some, it's family. For some, it's uh, I don't know, Hot Wheels cars. Who knows? Um, and when I think about like all the work, that, all the stuff that I've done in my life, the the goal has always sort of been around this thing that that like I want to make something that 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 makes people a little happy, right? Um, and with Scotty got an office job. It was it started as this sort of lark, this thing that I was enjoying doing. And then I would hear from people about like, oh, it made them feel better about their own office job, or it gave them a laugh in the middle of their day. And and that's that's a pretty to me, that's a pretty incredible thing to be able to say that I, you know, I, I say that with all all humility possible, that like, oh, it's so nice to feel that like I made someone laugh very briefly when they may, might have needed it. Um, with the digits and with the imagined neighborhood, I think it's a little more explicit how I want to be helpful. Like whether it's helping kids that that are uncomfortable with math or maybe don't feel strong in math, helping them feel stronger in math, or with the imagined neighborhood, helping them feel more comfortable in their bodies and more comfortable with their feelings and more comfortable with expressing those feelings. Like um, that to me is something that's that's that. That's really powerful. So when I say thank you for like, when I appreciate that that you're listening to the show and that you had that experience with your kids, I, I very truly mean it. That like, you know, sure, like it'd be one thing for this to be like the top of the podcast charts, but on the other hand, like if it's a thousand people that find it and help it and it helps them, like that's a big win. That's a huge win. Um, so if I if I <laughs> were to think about what's you know. What's what's said as they're loading my ashes into a cannon to be fired off into Lake Michigan, um, which is in my will. That um, yeah, he tried his best to help people. <laughs> um, that's kind of what I'm aiming for. I think that's a great a great thing to aim for. So uh, shooting ashes out of a cannon into Lake Michigan. This is um, something you thought long and hard about. <laughs> A friend of mine <laughs> told me this joke. He's like, uh, he's like, when I die, I want to be, uh, I want to be scattered off the Empire State Building, and I don't want to be cremated first. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, that's that's good. <laughs> yeah, you know, I've been to a, I've been to a number of funerals in the past few years. I, I, part of there's a there's a there's a joy in having a very large family and a very large sort of network of people that you love and and there's also you know one of the sad parts about it is that when people die like you you go to those funerals and um in my family like it's often that you are there to support the the immediate family of the person that died and then um then there's usually these little side groups that get together and and uh you know drink and toast and tell funny stories about the family. And it usually devolves into like funny stories about the the immediate family, like the family that that's still around. It starts with like, you know, talking about the deceased. Oh, Uncle George did this and don't remember when blah, blah, blah. And then it pretty quickly devolves into devolves or evolves into stories about the family in general. And um I don't know. I like that about my family that that we're there for each other and that we're also um irreverent enough to to <laughs> to turn these solemn occasions into into sort of parties. <laughs> you know, you say irreverent, but I, I love that perspective on like funerals and kind of end of life celebrations. I mean, personally, I haven't been to, you know, a large number of funerals, but every time I've, I've been to one, it has been a very traditional, you know, kind of mourning. 
uh, which I think is very appropriate. But I think there is something to kind of turning on its head, wh- whether just you know within the family and kind of the 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 demeanor we all have, or whether it's literally calling it an end of life celebration and totally turning the event on its head. But to kind of view it that way as like a you know l- less of a mourning and more of a celebration and remembrance and kind of you know they're still with us right here right now in the spirit while we while we celebrate yeah i mean scientifically speaking like the atoms that make up my body are pinging all over the universe at any given point and interacting with other people's atoms and sometimes it's very explicit like me and tim having a conversation for a podcast and sometimes it's less explicit like me i don't know opening the door for somebody or saying someone says thank you to me for um letting them off the bus first and like those those moments of interaction like the sum of them is what makes you you right the sum of the those those atoms picking across other atoms is what the the real legacy is and if if the majority of those for me are are kindness and warmth then that's 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 a life well lived as far as i'm concerned um there is this so my family's japanese and there's this buddhist tradition where you have uh, it looks like a like a cupcake platter like a tiered kind of three plates stacked up with a pole in the middle kind of thing and you place on that things that the person loved in life um and you know so i i remember very vividly i had an uncle die and like up on that was like a can of diet coke <laughs> <laughs> and like, and like, on one hand, this is a very solemn occasion. We're here. We're we're listening to the chants. We're putting in the incense. And then like, there's just like, there's there's candy up there. There's like sugary things. <laughs> like, like, yeah. Which, frankly, like my plate's going to have stuff like that on it too. It'll have Skittles and cookies and whatever else. I, yeah, I indulge in. But um, yeah, Adam's pinging. Adam's pinging in positive ways. Is where I where I want to leave things when my time is done. I like that. I, lo- I love the idea of atoms too. I never thought about it at that level. It kind of, when you really sit down and think about it that way, it starts to blow your mind. <laughs> sure. <laughs> I haven't listened to the, the the whole season yet, but does, do, do you talk about death in all of them or is it <laughs> just where we headed? What's that? <laughs> I said I haven't listened to all the episodes yet, so I wonder, do you talk about death in all of them? Or the ones that I listened to <laughs> didn't have a funereal component to it. <laughs> I'm trying to think. I know of at least one episode, the very first one, uh, we, we talked about death, um, but I I don't know. I'll, I'll have to go back and tally up the, the death uh, mentions. <laughs> Well, um, Scotty, I, I'm so, uh, as you know now, especially I'm such a fan of what you're doing, not just with the Imagine Neighborhood. I'm, I'm a big fan of that. But um, just I, I, I think, you know, very similar to you, I, I want I want to have a legacy of, of just making a positive impact on, on those around me and hopefully, you know, those beyond me. Um, and I very much feel like that's what you're doing. Um, and so, you know, thank you for, for everything you've done and everything you'll continue to do. But, you know, when we, especially, you know, you said March 2020 here during coronavirus and all of this going on, um, you know, folks like yourself who are just trying to, like you said, help, help others, make them happy. Um, that's really all that matters. And, and just thank you. Thank you for doing that. Oh, thanks for saying that. It's, it's my pleasure. Um, you know, we, we end every episode of, of the show by asking, how are you kind today? And I'm wondering, Tim, if you want to answer that question, how are you kind today? Oh, that is such a great question. That is such a great question. How was I kind today? Oh my gosh. This I mean, is the my example would be, you know, when I walked my dog, I kept social distance, right? Like I made sure to stay <laughs> distant from people. So yeah, I mean, it can be if, a little kindness. Yeah, I definitely was uh, walking around my neighborhood earlier today and saw someone coming ahead of me and made sure I crossed the street to completely avoid them. So uh, (laughs) (laughs) I suppose that was kind. (laughs) All the world we live in at the moment. I do love, though, that you you asked that question. Um, A, because it's great to to think about kindness, but uh, B, because it, it does make you think, you know, for a moment, like, was I you know, hopefully I was kind today, but can I, can I think about a moment where I was kind? So that's a great question to ask. 
Yeah. It's, I mean, it's a reminder for me as well to like, you know, because I, I mean, I say it so often on the show, like it makes me think at the end of each day, like, what did I do that was kind today? And like, um, hopefully it's something that can be happening in the morning. You're like, how can I be kind today? <laughs> it's a reminder, but um, thank you so much, Tim. The show is fantastic. And I'm so pleased you, you had me on. It really, really makes, makes me happy. Thank you. Thanks for listening to We're Only Human. Please subscribe to the podcast in your favorite podcast app, rate and review us, and share this episode with a friend. Thanks.